The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Masters. We're all a little excited. You know, everybody's excited to get started. Seeing Najad is here. We are rocking and rolling. What's up, dude? This is exciting. There's so many layers to this Masters, right? That, you know, with Liv and and all that stuff. I mean, the Masters is already intriguing. And there's that guy, Tiger Woods, that's going to be playing. Uh, So, yeah, this is is super cool. I, I, I don't even... I'm at a loss for words. This is incredibly exciting. Well, from what I know about uh, content creation in the golf space, this is likely to be one of our more popular shows of the year. So for those of you who are new, welcome. For those of you who are returning, welcome. And we're going to spend the next 45 minutes to an hour talking about this field for DFS purposes. But Sia, this is a show that we do, the First Cup Pod, with a rotating uh, group of analysts basically every single day of the week. We only take Wednesdays off. That's all we do, and we run it basically all year round. And you know how this show goes, right? Like, in, in six months, there'll be no Wednesdays off. I mean, we're just going to have content every single day. But yeah, I think this, this show is one of a kind, right? Six out of seven days where you, you get recaps every day, you get DFS picks, you get betting picks, you get world-class analysis from guys like yourself, Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, among others. Uh, this is It's a one-stop shop. We also have a highly spirited one-and-done league in which the fans participate. So that link is in the description right now. The fans can go on and make their vote heard for who they want to take in one-and-done this week. And we track the results week in and week out. So go in there and get your self-involved. Okay, um, let's share my screen, Troy, if we're able to do that. That'd be just splendid. It is my website, uh, rickrungood.com. Maybe. There we go. Now we are rocking and rolling. And uh, we're going to talk about the golf course first here. So yeah, this is Augusta National. It is sticky as they come in terms of course history. And uh, it is going to be, as they say, a true test of golf. True test of golf, a true test of the all-around game. I think there's definitely going to be some things that we're going to talk about. I mean, like looking at your model, strokes gain T to green. I mean, it's a global stat, but it's a stat I've been looking at as of late, and I think it captures a lot of what we want to capture. But I see driving distance is, is up here um, to an extent. I, I like that quite a bit. Obviously, approach, we're going to need to lean on that. 
off the tee, we're going to need to lean on that. Around the green is is one thing, Rick, that I usually am lesser on the f- like than the field. So you know, obviously, the complete game is important here. So around the green is going to be really, really important. Putting, we see this in the model; it's kind of diminished here a little bit, and that makes sense based on what we've seen with prior winners and prior top tens. So yeah, it's it's the global stats that are really important to me. But outside of that, I, I think off the tee distance and approach are going to be really critical. Yeah. So the way to read this model and the, what this model does, it looks at you know the last handful of years of every single stat that we have on the PGA Tour, and it has uh, looks at all the results for uh, each golf course, and it finds the types of golfers who have success. Driving distance ranks sixth, which means there's only five other courses on the PGA Tour schedule which driving distance is more important. I could actually probably argue that if if this was to go in one direction or another, I think it would become more important. We know they've lengthened this golf course over the last couple of years, especially this year, adding 35 yards to number 13. The way that they um, the way that they mow these fairways is is opposite direction so you don't get any rollout if it does rain which is in the forecast this week it's going to be pretty soggy you're going to have mud balls you're going to it's just going to kind of like this could play very very long this week see yeah i was going to say there's so many factors that are increasing my likelihood of of tending towards picking the the longer players. I mean, you, you mentioned it with the weather and the rain, that the lack of a run out, even when it when it's not raining, and just the fact that they've extended some of these holes, they, they've lengthened some of these holes over the years. So I, I don't think it's any mystery that length is going to be pretty important here. Does that mean we're going to, you know, X out all the shorter hitters? No, not necessarily. But I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking at, at length, being able to score on the par fives, things of that nature. The other thing, and we talked about this a little bit last night with Greg and Kyle, is that second shot, that that approach play, it, it's it's kind of cl- more closely tied to putting this week because you've got to be on the right spot. If, if you put yourself in some bad spots, there's just, it doesn't matter how good of a putter you are. It's just like you're, you're, you're dead to right. So they're kind of uh, more connected this week than many other weeks. And then see, you already kind of nailed it. This is uh, a place that's going to challenge you around the greens. You know, a lot of tight lies, a lot of creative shots, a lot of hanging lies. It's going to ask you to tap into all of that creativity that you could possibly, possibly summon this week. And I think that kind of plays itself into some of the course history stuff too. I mean, you know, getting things on, on the proper level, you know, on the greens or, or, or I shouldn't say it like that. I mean, just even off the tee, you know, getting it in the right spot, knowing how to handle the tricky stuff around the green. I think that really lends itself to people who have experience on this course. Now I'll tell you this with, with guys that have bad experience here, I'm not going to disqualify them. And so I, I know what's going to happen. We saw all the course history people, all those sort of chalky people in DFS really succeed last year. So, of course, when we look at ownership and we can see on Rick Run Good, among other places, we can see ownership's already out. And it really lends itself to what we thought it would. You know, the guys whose recent form is great, but but also who have really been successful here. And so I think there are going to be pivots to make knowing where the, the general DraftKings player is going to go. Yeah, that's right. The ownership projections are already up and running on rickrungood.com. We'll talk about those and we'll start talking about some specific golfers. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up 
to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And we're back. Here is the cheat sheet. See ya. Three golfers over $10,000. Scotty Scheffler, $11,100. John Rahm, 10.8. Rory McIlroy, 10.6. They are all projecting to be at least 22% owned. So basically every single lineup has one of these three guys in it. It's interesting because you know I like to be contrarian, especially in this range. And, and I'll tell you right now, you know, everybody knows I'm kind of a single entry three max guy. And that I probably only have like six to eight different variations of of lineups uh, across, let's say, I don't know, five or six, seven tournaments. I I know it sounds crazy. There's going to be some lineups where I fade all three of these guys. And it's because of a couple of things. One is the ownership. And two is because I think there's a lot of really good players. This isn't a newsflash. I get it. Really good players, not just like the Patrick Cantleys of the world who are only 9,500 or Colin Morikawa at 9,100 or Xander, whatever it is, there's live players that probably should be $1,000 more expensive, but because they've either been poor on live or just by virtue of the fact that they've been playing on live, they're just sort of out of our consciousness. And I think DJ is like the classic example of that at 8,800. So I'm not saying you should fade one of these top three guys. I'm just saying that I'm going to have some lineups that don't have either Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, or Rory McIlroy in them. But I will say, if I'm picking one of those, especially knowing that ownership is pretty flat across those three guys, 
I mean, it's obviously Scotty Scheffler to me. It'd be one thing if Scotty Scheffler was like 10 to 12 percentage points over Rom or, or Roy, which is not what I expected necessarily. But when you're looking at the stats, I mean, listen, all three of these guys are going to flash, but Scotty's been dominant weighted T to green. Number one weighted greens in regulation. I'm going last 24 rounds, by the way. If you wanted to take a 100 round sample size, he'd probably be number one anyway. And the elite history, too. So among those three, it's Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I keep going back to the longer term tee to green play. That's why I punched in 100 rounds here. And 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 Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy are kind of in a class of their own. They're the only two golfers over one and a half strokes gained per round from tee to green, and they're gaining over two strokes per round. I mean, it's a massive gap between them and the rest of the field. Tony Finau third, JT four, Will Zaltoris is five. So um, the way that I've seen Scotty Scheffler play this year, the way that I've seen him play for the last 18 months, I think is one of a very high floor. I think that even if you do get one of his worst performances, I, I mean, what is he going to finish? T12. That, that That's kind of what it feels like at the moment. And then if he gains one or two strokes with the putter, he might go on and win the golf tournament. He won the Players' Championship by gaining just a hair over 0.11. And it took uh, a pretty decent putt on the 18th hole to, to actually get him into positive strokes gained putting for the week. So yeah, Scotty is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Rory McIlroy is, is kind of my my plan B here, uh, Sia, because of the tee to green play, because of his history around Augusta National. I mean, all these guys have pretty decent history. I'll pull up uh, Rory's here. And I think it was, I think it was Mark who has said in the past, like, you know, Rory can roll out of bed and finish inside the top 10 at Augusta National. And it kind of feels that way. You yeah. know, the back, the backdoor runner up finish last year, the T5 in 2020, and then just piling up top 10 finishes over the last, you know, decade or so has been the story for Rory around this place. And then just by virtue of, a 1A, a 1B, there has to be a 1C. And it's not its not really anything I have against John Rahm. It's just kind of he's the odd man out for me at the moment. Yeah, and one thing and, – and, and by the way, if you want to play John Rahm, like, you know, more power to you. John Rahm we know can explode at any given moment. You know, obviously the ball striking has been lacking over the last few tournaments. But is he going to just rekindle the magic immediately? Yeah, probably. He's John Rahm. The one thing I want to point out about Rory is – I know Scotty won last year, but Tita Green, Roy was actually better. It was just that Scotty was three strokes better with the putter than Roy McElroy. So it's just something to consider. I mean, obviously Scotty is the defending champion, but if if Rory was a, you know, I shouldn't say a zero putter, but nearly close to a zero putter, he this this thing would have gone to a playoff or he would have won the tournament. So um He's definitely hungry, and I definitely think uh, when you're measuring him against Scotty, it's perfectly reasonable to to pivot over to Rory. Just kind of looking at you know the last five years of of history for these guys, there is combined uh, two finishes outside the top twenty five. Uh, John Rom finished 27th last year. Rory missed the cut in 2021. Every other finish for these guys over the last five years, all three of them combined, uh, are are top tens. And obviously, the the lone win goes to goes to Scotty last year. So you're you're going to be hard pressed to kind of split hairs at the top of the board, but you're going to have to. Um, the 9K range introduces a lot more intrigue, I suppose, Sia, because you do get Cam Smith here at $9,800, the first live golfer that we've encountered. Justin Thomas is here at 93, Jordan Spieth, 97, Patrick Cantlay, 95, Max Homa, 92, Morikawa, 91, and Xander Schauffele at a flat $9,000. So this is where I think, um, you know, you can start to separate guys from one another, look at their salaries, look at their projected ownership and start making some decisions. 
Patrick Cantlay for me. Uh, I, I really like him at 9,500. I understand that the history here isn't pristine, but like that's the thing. We're getting an ownership discount because of that and because of what happened last year specifically where everybody was like, man, just take the guys with the good course history. At 9,500, especially looking at his ownership, where it's at this point, it'll probably grow, but at this point, we're looking at around 12%. Like That's pretty low, especially compared to some of the guys that are right next to him. Like Jordan Spieth is, what's let's see, like 23% right now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. So I'm happy to go to Patrick Cantley. Weighted T to green, he's second over the last 24 rounds. And keep in mind, he's 95 He's, he's pretty far down on this list. He's third in weighted greens and regulation last 24 rounds. Again, the history, I, I'm, I'm just not super concerned about it. I just I like the fact that players have history on this course. If it's bad history, I'm okay if your name is Patrick Cantley. The other two guys that intrigue me, you mentioned one of them, Cameron Smith at 9,800. Now, he hasn't been really good on live this year. T26 last week, live Orlando. Uh, T5 at Mayakoba in February, so... He's put some semblance of a game together, but I think Cameron Smith, knowing that people aren't really going to go to him and knowing that he doesn't really seem like a great course fit next to some of the, these guys that he's you know priced next to, I think he's a really, really interesting option at 9,800. The last guy is Colin Morikawa. If his ownership number stays low, and when I say low, I'm talking like 10 to 12%, I think there's great value on him at 9,100. And by the way, he was fifth last year, uh, overall and third best tee to green. Yeah, he was phenomenal last year. He gained nearly 11 strokes from tee to green. He gained 6.8 in the ball striking categories. He looked like just vintage Morikawa 2022 Masters. You know, I, I want to circle back on Cam Smith because he just wrapped up his presser and he was pretty candid about the state of his game and saying, you know, it's not as good as I would like it to be, but sometimes you come to a place like this and you can just kind of find something and, and, it, and it sets up really, really well for him. I was a little bit surprised to see... And again, it's very early in the week, but you mentioned it, that 13% ownership, that is half that of Jordan Spieth. You know, mm-hmm. is is Jordan Spieth twice as likely to win this golf tournament than Cam Smith? Probably not, right? I mean, you could argue he is, I don't know, but pro- probably not. And that's a really intriguing thing to look at as the week goes on to see if everybody is going to continue to stay away from him. The note that I'll give you about Patrick Cantlay here, and while I agree, I wish he had better stuff around Augusta National, you know, he contended here in 2019. I think he ended up finishing ninth or something like that. But um, what he's doing in the ball striking, like I love it when something in the real world happens and then you see it on the stat sheet. And what mm-hmm. we're seeing on the seeing on the stat sheet right now is a lot of unbelievably great ball striking. And that is also him now being in new equipment. He's an equipment free agent. It took him a little bit to get dialed in, but like I love seeing stuff like that. And it's usually it is usually a sign that it's going to continue. So that's why I like to see when the real world stuff matches up with the stat sheet stuff. Yeah, can't I mean to me, nine K and above Patrick Cantley is is the most obvious value. Max Homa, I think is the X factor here. Um, you know, there are a couple of guys in this range who have subpar major championship records. Xander has contended, hasn't won. Cantlay's barely contended. Homa, I don't think he has the same pressure as those other two guys because he has just kind of recently elevated himself to this top-tier golfer that we expect to contend at major championships. But if you look at his master's history it's two missed cuts and a 48th that doesn't inspire much are you of the camp that 
for someone who is improving as rapidly as Max Homa, that that course history is not as important or do, are, are you, are you a little bit worried about that? No, I'm definitely in that that first camp that you mentioned. Listen, I, I'm not the the fact that he has experience here, even if it's just moderate to below average experience. I, I'm okay with that if your game has has really changed. When it comes to Max Homa specifically, I do like the price uh, for some reason. I'm not super inspired by Max Homa this week in terms of like being able to top five this tournament. I'm not saying that's unrealistic. I, I just, for whatever reason, I don't see it with Max Homa. I think the metrics are, are super intriguing. I think they're very good. Um, I think he's a fine play. Um, and, and frankly, if he's going to be the same ownership as let's say, and I see these, um, these ownership numbers looks like they've been updated a bit. I think if it's between Max Homa and Colin, because they're the same ownership, I would go to Max Homa all day. It wouldn't even really be a question. And I would say the same with Max Homa and Justin Thomas, who I, I like literally never play. And I'd say the same between Max Homa and Xander Shopley. So if you're settling in this 9,400 to 9,000 range, Max Homa is certainly my favorite guy. The one guy we haven't talked about and a guy that I feel that I'm probably higher on um, than you are just because it's taken us this long to to get to him is Jordan Spieth. You know, his, his history around this place, and I'll just kind of show you, you um you know it, it is unbelievable the fact that he only has has one win is is kind of crazy so um what i've done is i've just pulled up everybody's history at this event dating back to 2008 uh Zalatoris is over two strokes per round but it's only eight rounds scotty's over two strokes per round but it's only 12 rounds jordan spieth is 2.25 strokes gained per round that's 34 rounds so there's really nobody that can run with the the history that jordan spieth has around this place and we're starting to see him play a little bit better I, I liked um I liked the presser that he gave. It was humble yet confident. He's a, a creative guy. You know, we talk a lot about the comps that this place has to Kapalua of all places because you just never get an even lie. And Spieth is just a shredder at, at both of those places. So um I'm probably and whether it's because I'm a sicko and it's, you know, the first week of April and I have to get my a dose of Jordan Spieth or not, like I'm I'm pretty in on Jordan Spieth this week. I totally get it. Going into this week, I was in on Jordan Spieth as well. And it's not to say that I'm out on him. I was just a little like, you know, the ownership numbers are, are really high. I mean, he's he's basically outside of the top three, as in literally the guys at the top, the top yeah. three. I mean, it's basically Jordan Spieth who has the highest ownership. And for me, I just I just find pivots with like Cameron Smith or, or actually more like Patrick Cantley that I like. I mean, the way I built my lineup so far, if I'm including one of those top three guys, which of course I'm doing more often than not, it's one of those top three guys. And then I'm dropping to somebody like Patrick Cantley and then I'm building the rest of my lineup out. So it doesn't, it doesn't make room for Jordan Spieth. Then again, I have a lot of balanced lineups where I'm starting in the nine K range and finishing it in the eight K range. The, the bottom line on Jordan Spieth, if you think he can win this tournament, which I absolutely do, then you should play him regardless of his, his chalkiness. You can get different elsewhere. And honestly, when it comes to chalk player, chalky players, if they're elite players like Jordan Spieth is, then you should just go ahead and play them. That That's just sort of my take there. The one thing that I will say that'll be important as the week rolls on is because we, we see this a lot at major championships with the chalky guys, because the pricing comes out so early and these, these I don't want to call them news cycles, but like these content cycles happen so rapidly now, There there is oftentimes a guy who is super, super chalky early in the week. And then the ownership 
um, it becomes very aware of itself. And then that guy on Thursday morning when lineups lock is not nearly as popular as everyone thought he was going to be because it, it just – like there's a longer window for everything to evolve through. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what Jordan Spieth's final number is. I think his number stays high. I, I think to, to your point, I think if we're looking at ownership numbers right now, I think John Rahm's goes down. I think Rory's stays about the same. I think Scotty's ticks up just a bit to surpass what John Rahm is showing right now, which is close to 28%. And then I think you see Jordan Spieth hanging out just around that 24% mark, which, which is where he is now. Wouldn't even shock me if he goes up to 25%. Um, um, but I, I think he's going to end up staying right there. We will certainly see. Um, I want to continue this conversation with the guys in the $8,000 range, of course, then the sixes and the sevens as well. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. The 8000 Dollar range and obviously see in a major championship, it's stacked. Tony Finau is 89, Dustin Johnson is 88, Jason Day, Cam Young, Victor Hovland, Hideki, and then we round it out with Sam Burns, Will Zaltors, Sung JM, and Matt Fitzpatrick. So this 8K range is yours. Uh, fire away, my friend. This range is so good. I mean, we could literally talk about each one of these guys at length, and we would all probably, for most of these guys, we'd settle on the idea that, hey, these are great picks this week. Um, I just, for fun, built a lineup with just 8K guys, and I, and I was like super happy with it. It was headlined by Dustin Johnson and Tony Finau, and I just kind of went from there. Uh, I don't know if I'm actually keeping that lineup, by the way, but it was just fun to do. Uh, Tony Finau looks like he's going to be really popular for good reason inside the top 10 in weighted greens and regulation. Very good history. Recent history is average, but second in the field weighted approach, top 10 weighted tee to green, solid putter. Um, the around the green game has actually been a problem for him over his last four tournaments in a row. Um, so that's, you know, something to at least point out and consider. I'm probably going to end up not being on Tony, but I, I can't not bring him up because he does check a lot of the boxes. Guys that I think I'm playing, Dustin Johnson at 8,800. Uh, I just think. 
it's hard to say whether these live guys are quote mispriced because you know we just don't have enough information. But I think I'm going to go as far to say that Dustin Johnson is mispriced at 8,800. 12th year last year, and that's after losing 2.46 strokes putting. He crushed it on approach and around the green last year. But I mean, I'm just pointing out last year. But obviously, we know he won in the no, the November Masters. He's been good here. Um, his putter hasn't really cooperated over his last two Masters, but otherwise, he's been great. And for the record, seventh last week at Live Golf Orlando. That's not too terrible. Yeah, if you're looking for the live golf results because they're not the easiest thing in the world, uh, I'll just let you know I have them on rickrungood.com. So you can you can see the live stuff in here. It's got the strokes gained. Obviously, those fields are not as strong, which is why we'll be referencing the weighted strokes gained stuff uh, as well. I, I tend to agree with you here that – so when I, when I was looking at this earlier, you know, Cam Smith was going to be high-priced and highly rostered. Uh, which is not really shaping up his his ownership numbers coming down a little bit. But um, the DJ kind of mispriced, low ownership, certainly high upside. If you go back and look at um, the best players at Augusta National, I mean, if you do it since 2016, which is a little bit more recent, um, obviously – nobody's been better than Dustin Johnson with at least nine rounds, right? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of really good reasons. If you're going to take a flyer on a live guy because we don't know how much they've been playing or if it matters if they beat up against, you know, Chase Kepka and Siwon Kim or whatever, like – I think DJ is the right flyer to be taking. Yeah, I actually have a few, and you'll find out later in the show, a few of these kind of live flyers. And I'll get into sort of my rationale behind it. But I do like Dustin at, at 8,800. Jason Day is going to be really popular for good reason. I'm happy to pivot away from Jason Day at 8,700 just because I think he's going to be very, very popular. Um, but he's certainly a good play. The other three guys I just want to real, mention. Real quick, Go ahead. there's a yeah. question. Uh, Garrett says, any concern about Day's vertigo, which is – uh that was mis I don't want to say misdiagnosed. The, the the broadcast did not diagnose him, but uh they stated that on the broadcast. That was not correct. He was having allergy issues, he was not having vertigo. So he has not had, at least as far as we are aware, a, a recent bout of vertigo. But I know what Garrett is talking about. So I just wanted to address that. Yeah, that that's interesting that they actually used that word because we know he was beset with vertigo like well, four or five years ago. He was, the- you know, they were looking at his head and he was looking up and around, and it was all this stuff. And I think somebody jumped in, jumped in there and remembered and just said, "Boom! It must be another another vertigo situation." Um, but they connect. They were they quickly like five minutes later, they were like, no, no, I just talked to Jason Day. It's like allergies. They're going to give him an allergy pill at the turn. It's not vertigo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Um, but yeah, Jason Day, he's a fine play. I just, I think, listen, I'm going to play some chalky guys. He's probably not going to be one of them. And I do, I mean, I can at least present an argument against him. It's, it's not a good argument, but if we're looking at guys with distance, I mean, he's, he's pretty much average in this field from, from that standpoint. So again, I'm happy to pivot if he's going to be super popular. Cameron Young, I do like missed cut at the masters last year. I think that will be held against him. And that's totally fine with me. Um, I like that to on the bag. Uh, he was second in match play. He was 10th at the API. This seems like the Cameron Young now that we, we kind of thought we'd have coming into uh, this season. So I, I really like him at 8,600 Victor Hovland. Your guy, Rick. Uh, elite ball striking, bad short game, but he's actually been okay with the short game at the Masters. In He's played the Masters three times. He's never finished better than 21st, never finished worse than 32nd. But he's gained, uh, let's see, two out of three at the Masters in, in the – in the around the green department, as we can see right here on the screen, if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, And I'll mention that in your adjusted fit model, which I always look at 
at the very end of my research just to see if I can cross check some some things that I like and that you like, or at least that your model likes. And he's top 10 in that model as well. So by the way, we, we I think Patrick Cantley is way up there as well. Um, Rick, the last guy I'll mention real quick, I, I like the state of Sam Burns game right now. And I think I'm willing to take a chance on him at 8,300. We saw glimpses of his game improving prior to the match play. Um, I, I just, I think at 8,300, he has the requisite upside to, uh, to do really well in this tournament. Yeah, Burns is another guy that I'd really like to see have a good major championship season because he is now entering that category of like he should be and we haven't really seen it to this point. It's not a knock. I mean, listen, he hasn't really contended, but it took John Rahm 20 starts before he won one and he should have won a lot more than that. So it's what I do like is that he's um, technically he's never lost strokes putting in a, in a major championship. Now, not every single one of them has been measured, but the ones that are measured, he has, he has gained with the flat stick, which is kind of a, an interesting little, a little nugget there. So if he can get that hot, uh, like he did at the match play, it, it might be time to watch out for Sam Burns. I want to see who else is in this 8k range here. Um, okay. I'll, I'll make a quick case for Hideki who I, I, I really never get right so you you should just probably fast forward through this (laughs) this portion of the show uh played well to valero texas open he gained strokes off the tee in each each round which i like i like that too not just that he gained strokes that he did it in every round right Uh, i think that shows consistency consistency it shows that he's driving well he's actually gained strokes off the tee in nine of his last 10 rounds um gained strokes on approach every round at at valero his short game is getting better but it's been a a little bit troublesome. I would actually argue that if you're going to go to a place with your short game not super sharp, but you have a lot of good experience there, it would be this play. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the putts and a lot of the chips and a lot of the pitches are much easier if you know what you're doing. And obviously Hideki knows what he's doing around this place. So I feel like the knowledge that we attribute to guys like Tiger Woods and other past champions, that shows up more in the short game than anywhere else. So I actually think there's a scenario in which Decky continues to hit it well and then gets the lean on the experience side in the short game and contends again. Yeah, I don't hate that, especially at his price. And I'm I'm looking, I'm gazing at his ownership right now. I, I can't imagine his ownership is going to be super high. No, it looks like it's probably going to be 10% or lower. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get around to Hideki. I didn't get around to him last week either. And I was I was starting to regret that on Saturday going into Sunday, but I don't mind that play at all. I think there's definitely upside there. We know, I mean, we know he can win the Masters, obviously. Uh, yes, certainly he can. Um, the $7,000 range, this is where you get the bulk of the live guys. I'm not going to read them all off here, but you've got at the top Lowry and Hatton. A little bit further down, you get like Brooks and Corey Connors, both coming off victories last week. Um, in the middle, you're going to get Tiger Woods. Uh, he's at $7,300. And then the bottom of this range is... Sergio, Russell Henley, Billy Horschel. So there's a lot to unwrap here. There's live guys and tiger and everything in between. So where do you want to start? I'll start with a pivot. I just want to make sure everybody like understands that nobody is playing Shane Lowry at 7,900. And I, I don't like Shane Lowry either. Okay. But I just want people to know that if you're going to play chalky guys and you want to get a pivot in there, just no one seems to be playing him. Even if it creeps up a little bit, this thing ain't getting past what? 6%. And I'll, I'll mention 
that he's been really bad, particularly with the putter. But if you just want to look at ball striking, which I'm, you know, cherry picking a little bit here, he's gained ball striking in three of his last five events in a really big way. 8.11, 8.94, 4.87. The putter's just been really bad. His last three at the Masters, though, third, 21st, and 25th. And he's gained with the putter over his last two, 5.66 and 1.85. So this might be a scenario where, similar to what you were just saying, Rick, about Hideki, where you know it, it, your your putting game is is bad in a, in a poor state right now, similar to what you were saying about Hideki around the green. But you know you come here and you, you kind of know how to do it. And I just think Shane Lowry at seventy nine hundred is at least worth the mention. The two guys at seventy six hundred dollars who are coming off wins. Uh, obviously, they were priced before those victories happened. Brooks Kepka, Corey Connors. Uh, I mean, and both both like have more cases to be made. Brooks at a major championship is obviously always very appealing if you think he's going to play well. And then Corey Connors has three straight top tens here. So those guys at 7,600 are probably going to catch a lot of steam over the next couple of days. Yeah, and it looks like Corey Connors is already you know catching that steam and that, that makes sense. I'm going to be a fade on Corey Connors. I'll just let everybody know right now. I, the, the popular 7K chalk, it's just not going to be for me, even though Connors has shown it at the Masters before. I'm on the fence about Brooks Kepka. Um, obviously, he has great Masters history, not necessarily great recent Masters history, but great Masters history. I like the fact that he won last week. It kind of obviously shows me something about the state of his game. It's likely going to be a pass on him, but I don't hate it. Guys I like that have actually played this course before, and then I'll mention two that are debutants. I think Neiman is really interesting. I'm actually surprised he's getting any ownership, but he's barely like he's not even he's not even touching 10% yet. Excellent on live in the fall. He's fallen off since, uh, which doesn't really bother me too much. And to me, he checks a lot of the boxes, including off the tee approach and greens and regulation. And I, I, I don't know. I, his experience here is okay, but I just think he's one of those guys that could really surprise us. And for, for the record, recent history on live, I am largely discounting. And I think there's sort of a psychological reason for that. I think these guys who really performed well in the fall, like Joaquin Neiman, for example, they were probably really revved up to play live. They probably were excited about the money. And I'm speculating here, playing a little Fraser Crane, psychologist, psychiatrist. But the long story short here is that Live, it just hasn't been a good run for them in terms of publicity. It never has, but especially the last few months where it doesn't look like that train is on the tracks in any way, shape, or form. And I can see guys like Joaquin Neiman or even Brooks Kepka, who actually won last week, kind of coming into these tournaments and kind of practicing and, and, and really trying to get in shape uh, with their golf game for things like the Masters. And, I, I, and I've seen interviews with Neiman. It seems like there is a chip on his shoulder to some degree, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if we kind of see the old Neiman and not the Neiman who hasn't been very good on the live tour over the last couple of months. Also worth noting that he did have a couple of better events in 2023, finished 10th at the Saudi International. That's a full field uh, cut event on the Asian tour. He also finished fifth in Oman. Same thing, full field cut event on the Asian tour. It is uh, They are weak fields, but they are at least larger fields and gives him a little bit more uh, competition than some of his peers have uh, coming into this week. His, some of his live golf peers, I should say. Um, let's talk about the cat. Tiger mm-hmm. Woods is $7,300. We saw him at Riviera. He finished T45. He drove it okay. He was a positive player on approach. He was fine around the green, slightly worse than average. What are we expecting from Tiger this time around? 
Well, I expect him to make the cut, and we know more than half the field is going to make the cut, and and, and Tiger has an excellent chance to do that. It, it's it's the same old story with him with respect to, well, can he have a good first two days? Yes, he can. Uh, can he have a great day three and day four? And mm-hmm. it's really tough to sell me on that particular argument, given this just the physical state that he's in right now. So can he have a good tournament? Yes. Does he have the upside? I know we're talking about Tiger Woods, but right now, does he have the upside to close the deal in your tournament lineup this week? I'm just not sure that's the case. I mean, I would I would it's, this is so crazy. Rick, I'd be more inclined. And this is going to come back to bite me. I'd be more inclined to play a guy maybe two guys that have never played at Augusta before competitively. And I'm talking about Mito Pereira at 7,200 and maybe even some Taylor Moore at 7,300 because I see, even though they've never played, listen, I'm, I get it, but I think from an upside standpoint, especially Mito, who, by the way, grades out so well on your adjusted fit model. I, I just think he checks so many of the boxes, even recent form on the live tour. He checks that box, too. But good off the tee, good on approach, has the distance. Uh, I just think I'd rather play a guy like Mito than Tiger. I know it's crazy. Yeah, that one might that one might hurt you a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I see what you're saying. I mean, listen, to gain double digit strokes in any field, uh, it, it's it's very good. Mito did it in Vegas at the Shriners. He did it at the Saudi International, and he's been basically a positive player uh, in multiple strokes uh, every single week since he since the fall. So I, I I I get that. I do also wonder about the upside of Tiger Woods. Right? Is it a T21. I think if he finished T21, we would all like, I'd be like, amazing. Like, yep. great week. Mm-hmm. Super great week. And I think he can do it. I, I've probably not been this optimistic on Tiger uh, in a long time just because I, I walked with him at Riviera. I thought he looked strong. Um, obviously, he needs more competitive reps, but there was a time, I mean, last year at the Masters, he was limping like immediately. And it got worse as the week went on. I thought he was. Pretty darn good at Riviera. He obviously looked a lot stronger, and the stats bear it out. I mean, the bar was is very very low, but his best driving week since August of 2020, his best approach week since August of 2020. The putter wasn't horrible. The around the green play wasn't horrible. You give him a couple of strokes because of his knowledge and experience around Augusta National. Like I think Tiger Tiger might finish 19th at this thing, and I'd be pretty happy about that. I think there's even an argument that he could finish a little bit higher than that. I just I wouldn't be willing to put my money on that. Okay. One one other guy I want to mention in the 7K range that I would be willing to put my money on. I know a lot of people already have in the outright market is Min Mu Lee at 7600. Um, we know he was T6 at the players, um, which is incredible because he lost almost six strokes on approach. He literally lost 5.82 on approach and somehow, unless I read that wrong. Uh, he, it, he gained 7.7 with the putter. <laughs> amazing. But the, the good news there is that that's not really the, the, the normal way for Min Muli. He can be very good on approach, very good off the tee. He was 14th at the Masters last year, which I have a feeling people are going to see that. They're going to see the 7,600 price tag and, and his, his ownership probably goes up just a little bit. And prior to the Honda, he was playing on the Euro Tour, as we know. And he was kind of dominant, like he wasn't winning necessarily, but he was top fiving, like just seemed like routinely. So I just think Min Woo Lee is, is on an upward uh, an upward trajectory that we haven't seen the height of quite yet. I just love that they stuck like all these 
cats at $7,600 that everyone's yeah. going to want to play. Minwoo Lee, Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka, the only three golfers are 7,600. And all of them are like, yeah, like just like a throw all the three of those guys in every single lineup and see what and, happens. And for the record, that's why I have no, I have no interest whatsoever in playing Corey Connors. If he is going to hold at 20% or more and I can play Minwoo Lee at 10% less or Brooks Kepka at, all, at like, you know, 18 to 20% less. I mean, even, you know, Adam Scott and, and I don't want to, I don't want to go with Sahith, but there's so many people that kind of are in that conversation. There's just no reason for me to bank on Corey Connors being good at the masters yet again. I understand why he, he would be, but I'm not, I'm just not willing to buy that ownership. How many lineups would you have to play before Bryson DeChambeau made an appearance? I'm not even trying to be funny. Um, <laughs> it would have to be 50, the, the 51st lineup, I would pepper in Bryson. Okay. I mean, honestly, that's pretty fair considering he's like 2% owned. So if, if it, that, that would basically put you on par with the field. Yeah. And, and knowing that, I, I would have to play a couple more with, for, like with Bryson just to be over the field on him. So that's the good news. If you want to take a shot at Bryson, you don't need to do much in terms of incorporating him into your lineups. Yeah. If you, are, if you play him in one out of 10 of your lineups, you are going to be like five times the weight of the field. There you go. So you don't really have to do much because, uh, I mean, the recent form is not good. The master's history is not good. Uh, pretty ugly scene. Can I ask you, Rick, before we get to the 6K range, what yep. are you doing with some of these young guys who have just never played the masters? Are, are, I can't imagine your answer is going to be there just automatically disqualified. But but how do you? No, do you, I mean, you're talking about like Taylor Moore and Mito. Um, oh, I, I, yeah, I... Listen, I think that it is generally an uphill battle, but no, I am not going to discount it because there is also um, what I think a lot of people overlook is that the learning curve of golf courses, even on golf courses like this, where the learning curve is steep, is much faster now than it's ever been. Yeah. Based on information, based on data, based on everything that we know, just technology in general, the learning curve is faster now. And there's a chance that in 20 years, you know, we look back and we've had three first time, you know, three debutantes win the Masters in the next 20 years when we haven't had one since what Fuzzy Zeller did it in, I don't even know what year it was, the 60s, the 70s, something like that. So, um, yeah, I I am not writing them off. Like I think Taylor Moore is kind of interesting. I think Mito's skill set is pretty good. Uh, I like the low key that Chris Kirk hasn't played here in like eight years, but he has played here three times. Like I, that's basically a debutant. Like I kind of like that, but no, I mean, listen, man, these kids are good. They know what they're doing. I'm not I'm not too worried about it. And for the record, professional transition. But there's a guy in the 6K range that's a debutant that that I that, who missed the cut last week that I like. Quite a bit. Okay, before we get to that, I am going to find out the year that Fuzzy, 1979 was the year. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to make sure I figured uh, that out. Okay, uh, yeah, so let's go to the 6K range. So this is where you start getting all the past champions and the guys at the bottom of this. So we get Bubba, Thomas Peters, Tom Hoagie at 6,900, and then the $6,000 flat, Freddie Couples, Jose Maria Olafable, Mike Weir, Sandal, Sandy Lyle, VJ Singh. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here. All right. Um, y- your, your go here in the six case. 
Okay, the the names that I definitely want to play, and there's a couple I I might want to speculate about, but there's two. Ryan Fox is one of them. He's the guy who was a debutant who missed the cut last week. I just think this is a better, this is way better suited for him. Anyway, I mean, I know it's the Masters, it's a tough test, but I think that length is really going to pay off the off the tee game. Um, and, and for the record, the around the green, it's been bad, but. Uh, everything else has been pretty good for Ryan Fox. So it's 6,700. I actually think there's upside there. Again, no experience here. So that's that that can absolutely be held against him if you want to do that. The other guy would be Danny Willett. I mean, well, I actually, I, I can't really make an argument against Danny Willett when you consider what his price is at 6,600. Good experience here, obviously. He's won the Masters. Uh, really good recent form. I think that's the thing that people really aren't paying attention to too much. He's gained off the tee in three uh, of four tournaments. He's gained on approach in four straight tournaments. Gained around the green in five straight and gained with the putter in three of five. Um He's always had the short game, but the ball striking metrics are really coming back for him. I think he's a great value at 6,600. Yeah, and the other thing is, so after he won in 2016, he had, I think, a three whoops three missed cuts in a row, which were here, 17, 18, 19. But he's kind of righted the ship a little bit. T25 in that November 2020 Masters, missed the cut in 2021, but then he finished 12th last year. So I, I agree with you that there are plenty of good vibes around this place, and this is some pretty stout T to green play five in a row in the positive with four of them being multiple strokes uh, that we haven't seen in quite some time. I think there's a case to be made that Taylor Gooch is just the best player in the 6K range. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't I see mean, that coming. Yeah, I didn't really either. But like, let's go back. What do we know about Taylor Gooch? He is, when he's going well, he's a very good second shot golfer. And he is positive around the greens and he can get hot with the putter. He could, he could absolutely lose like five strokes off the tee this week, which is a little bit concerning, but um, knowing what I know about him, like, okay, that's all fine around this place. And he's played, well, you know, he was on the winning team. So this was a team event. So he didn't win Live Golf Miami himself. That was the four aces winning it. But he finished 12th at Saudi Arabia. He's got three top 16 finishes. Again, for whatever that's worth, in the three starts at Live this year, I, I think that you could do much, much worse than Taylor Gooch finished 14th here last year. Like, I think I think Gooch is probably the best player in the 6K range. <laughs> Not bad. I mean, I, again, I would probably defer if I'm if I'm having to compare him to somebody else. I would go Danny Willett. I'd probably put him ahead, perhaps, of Ryan Fox, especially since Fox doesn't have experience here. But yeah, I, I don't hate that argument. There's a few other guys that I had my eye on. I just don't think I'm going to be. By the way, can you pull up Bubba uh, from in terms of his live uh, profile, what what yeah. he's been doing on live? Because he was well, the one guy I didn't really look up. I think he's only played this year because he was hurt last year. Yeah, so he's only played. So even though he signed last year, he had n- knee surgery. So he's only played mm-hmm. three events. He's played the three events this year. It was 40th at Mayakoba, 20th in Tucson, 40th in Orlando. Yeah, that's that's not going to do it for me. The other names I was going to mention uh, were Thomas Peters, who I never really buy in on. And I think the market is usually kind of overweight on him to some degree. Uh, but I think he's at least interesting. Two missed cuts here uh, was really bad last year at the Masters. But I don't know. I, I feel like the potential's there. And then Charles Schwartzel at 6,400. Yeah. Um, last three at the Masters, he's been top 26 or better. Uh, he's been hit or miss on the the Asian and the live tours, but uh, he certainly has the game to survive the Masters as he's shown the last few years. Yeah, that was the other one too. I mean, I don't even mind. I mean, the 6K range, I don't really care if you're if you're either going to gain seven and a half or lose seven and a half, just do, do one or the other, right? I don't, I don't really care. Just mm-hmm. uh, 
<laughs> don't be don't be tore out. Like I'd rather you be volatile in that range. Right. Yeah, exactly. Again, 6400 it's nice price relief if you need to go down there. Okay, cool. Anybody else that we need to talk about um, before we move on? I don't think so. I mean, I'll tell you in the 6K range, I'm looking at Harris English and I'm wondering if that's a potential play. But outside of that, in the 6K range, I'm just not interested. How many lineups would you have to play before Phil Mickelson made an appearance? I mean, it, it would it would literally be it would a hundred. Yeah, it's been bad. I'm just I'm just in awe. It's been really bad. If the you only, play, if you want to play only, him in like a showdown lineup, that's cool. <laughs> but like, no, it's no no for four rounds for me. The only uh, <laughs> the only good thing is that he's cheap. So it's literally the only good thing about it. Yes, but all right, um, okay. We will now suspend the logic and reason portion of the show. We will enter the strokes gains narrative portion of the show. So this is where uh, users send in lineups based on really anything they want and see it kind of curates them and we get a, a screenshot of them for this week. So Troy, whenever you're ready, go ahead and fire those up on the screen. Okay, here we go. I think we've narrowed it down to three That's right. for this week. So Chris at Benched Captain says, in honor of the pimento cheese sandwich, here is my cheese lineup for the Masters. Okay, see what he did? The narrative is cheese. So (laughs) he has got John Romano. Romano cheese. John Rom. Hideki Mozzarella. That's pretty good. Victor Havayarti. Havayarti. Did I say that right? Does that sound right to you? I think it's a Havarti. Havarti. Yeah. Yeah, that would make more sense. Taylor Gouda. <laughs> Pretty good. Taylor Gooch. Harris English Cheddar. Hmm. And, oh boy. Camembert. Wow. Say that again? Camembert. Camembert. Young, champ, or Smith. You have your choice of it here. I'll go with Young on that one. Yeah, lots of cams in the field. Okay, very creative and well-pronounced. Yeah. Riot, the Fantasy Bunker, says, The Masters, hands down, my favorite sporting event to watch. Here are a few other that Ryan enjoys. The Jason Daytona 500. Mm. <laughs> the Jose Maria Super Bolasable. <laughs> nice, Rick. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. The Max Homa Run Derby. That's pretty good. I like. I do like watching the Home Run Derby. The Sergio Olympics Garcia. The FIFA World Fred Couples. World Cup, World Fred Couples. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the Tour de Abraham, Abraham Francer. <laughs> That's very good. good. I, Ryan's been on a pretty good run. He's yeah, he's he's easily uh, he's creeping up on on the marksman for sure. Yeah, well, you know what I like is um, I love a good pun, and 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 Ryan's always got the he's got the puns uh, pun game very strong. Well done, Ryan. Uh, here he is, John Markowski. This is admittedly by John himself a selfish strokes gains lineup. This is just things that apply to him. And he was able to compile a lineup. So born in the same hospital as John Markowski, there is a player in the field, Ridgewood, New Jersey, Scotty 
Scheffler. He has opted to find someone who is the same height as him, Dustin Johnson. How about this? 13 letters in his name. That's Will Zalatoris. Somebody who likes the Raiders. That's Tiger Woods. A zodiac sign of cancer. That's Adam Scott and a pole. A Polish man like John, Adrian Moronk. That's a pretty good lineup. Not a bad lineup. And we, we just found out so much more about John Markowski, the, the strokes gain narrative goat. Uh, who is that Who is that photo of that he included? Actually, that's a really good question. I haven't the slightest idea. It looks a lot like Pau Gasol, but I know it's not. It does look like Pau Gasol, but it's definitely not. <laughs> it's obviously from some television show or something, but uh... – yeah, that, that kind of cracks me up. Well done, everyone. Well done. What do you what do you think, C? Anything else? What do we what do, what do we got here? Well, what did you think about my my psychological rant about well, maybe in the last few months, most of these live players just haven't cared because the whole live product has kind of like started to fall apart and they're probably going to these tournaments being like, Well, I've already been paid and I'm just gonna kind of work on my game here, work on my game there. I really don't care to compete until I get to the masters. And then I've got this huge chip on my shoulder. I'm going to cash it in when I get to Augusta. I think I follow the first part. Uh, Cam Smith, to his credit, I thought he gave a great presser today. I thought he was very candid. I thought he was very transparent. I thought that he addressed everything that he was asked. And he kind of said, like, I haven't put in as much work this year. Mm -hmm. He's like, I spent a lot more time at home. I, you know, last year during the winter, I stayed in Ponte Vedra and I grinded on parts of my game that I knew needed work. And I felt really confident to start the year. And he's like, I didn't do that this year. I just didn't. And now he didn't say because I took the money and I went to live and I partied and I went home and I didn't care. He didn't say that part, but he did say like, I did not do that this year. And I do wonder if there are guys that, you know, anytime you go through a major life transition, which is what this was for them, Mm -hmm. that uh, being in your routine and and grinding on your game could have easily been a, a smaller part of your focus. I, I, so I'm on board with that part. I find it hard to believe that guys can flip the switch. Um, I think they tell you that they can, but I I don't know if there's a lot of evidence for just being like, okay, this is the week I'm going to start playing well. I, I think that if they could do that, they would flip it a lot more frequently. Yeah, but I, I think that second part, I'm not necessarily even saying they're flipping the switch per se. I, I'm saying that they haven't really cared to win and they've more cared to just work on their game. Like maybe they haven't been doing like to me, it just gives the, it lends itself to, well, I'm not going to practice on my own time. I'm just going to take this time off. I'm going to practice during these live tournaments and all with the foresight of knowing there is a huge, the, the biggest tournament is coming up. So my, my whole point is if you were going to be kind of readying yourself for anything it would be for the masters and it wouldn't be for live orlando or live miami or live anything really because again you've already kind of cashed in and you're, you're in these fields that are probably not super motivating now you get to go back to the pga tour in some respects and be like okay i'm, I'm still here it's gonna be awesome to watch mm-hmm. i i hope it is a highly competitive week and I hope that the weather holds out. It doesn't look great at the moment. Although there's this weird little like – I swear there's been a lot of bad forecasts for yes. this week. And then it's like Augusta National has a dome over it and the storm just like whoop, turns right or turns left or whatever. But fingers crossed that we get a pretty pretty clean week this week. 
Yeah. I mean, weather's been kind of a problem and it's nobody's fault. I mean, it's not like the PGA Tour can do anything about it, but really over the last three, four or five tournaments, like we've had weather issues and I'm hoping we don't get major delays, but you know, with golf, you get uh, some of that, uh, some of that weather variance along with all the other variants that golf uh, welcomes. All right. Well, we will be back on Tuesday for the Make a Preview pod. That's Storylines, Best Bets, One and Done. Kyle is on the scene. Uh, I believe we're going to have him from the media center. I'll double check on that. But that was the goal, at least the last time that I heard. And then we will have uh, wall-to-wall coverage, not only on CBS Sports HQ, but here on Round by Round Recaps for uh, the first cut. So a lot of big stuff coming this week. Make sure to get your One and Done selections in for the fans. That link is in the description right now. Big thanks. Thanks, producer Troy, doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Sienna Jad, available on Twitter at Sienna Jad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.